They never knew what happened to to the Roberts girl. Rosie disappeared. I said, what do you mean Rosie disappeared? Well, they can't find her and uh, nobody knows where she is. This person came across this and it was such an attitude of, oh, this is a sign that this is here for me. I'm gonna do what I want with her. I, to this day, feel bad that I didn't get in the car and go for a ride to see if I could find her. I had seen her, and then it was like a day or two, it wasn't very long after, but then I seen it on the news, and I thought, oh my God, I just, I just seen her walking. If it clears your conscience, if it lets you sleep at night, if it lets you not have to go counseling, then then release the information. Free yourself from the burden. You're listening to Season 2 of Leap in the Dark, an investigative podcast on the disappearance of Rose Peterson from Hancock, Michigan, who's been missing for almost 30 years. I'm your host, Jill Reback. When I decided to do a podcast on a missing person for research for a novel I'm writing, I wasn't quite prepared for the intensity of it. It's one thing to go over crimes that have already been committed, cases that have already been solved. But if you immerse yourself in something that has a possible definite question mark hanging on the end of it, it brings a bit more intensity to it. I don't have the answers. Even almost a year into my investigation, I'm nowhere near the answers I thought I would be. And, awkwardly, I tend to ask people the same question over and over again. How long would you search for someone you loved who went missing? Six months? A year? Two? Ten? How about twenty? Could you even imagine still wondering and searching for answers 29 years after a loved one disappeared? It's one of the reasons I reached out to Rose Peterson's brother, Fred. Hi there, how are you doing? Fred Peterson, Rose Peterson's brother. I imagine him being a kind man, slender, a shock of gray hair haphazardly on top of his head. Rose Peterson's niece, Deb Lytala, she thinks highly of him. She respects him, and that doesn't come easy for someone who's been hurt in the past by men she's trusted. In Deb's eyes, if there's a true Superman out there, Fred embodies that. In age, right? Right. Yeah, she's right she's right below me here. I'm the second to the last and she was the last one. She was she was number eight. 
I asked Fred about Rose's disability, about what he thought of her intellectual status, and what he witnessed growing up with her. After all, whether we like to admit it or not, it plays a role in Rose's disappearance. Well, I think basically my sister Rose uh, wasn't really that slow. She was very, very shy. Uh, you know, she was real shy because even at the supper table with the family, she wouldn't hardly look at you uh, when, we were, when we were eating. No, I don't think her disability was uh, that as far as uh, mental goes, but like I said, her, her basic thing was uh, the shyness. I asked Fred about a childhood accident that contributed to her, to Rose's intellectual disability. When I first interviewed Rose's son, Ron Peterson, he told me that Rose was hit in the head with a Coca-Cola bottle when her brothers were playing catch when they were kids, and it accidentally struck Rose in the head, causing a significant head injury. No. No, you, like I was telling my niece Debbie, uh, the only thing that I knew what happened to Rose was uh, uh, done by Fred. And uh, we were youngsters, and uh, somehow, uh, I don't know what the deal was, uh, we were running outside or whatever, and I accidentally slammed the door on her wrist and broke her right wrist. And that's the only tra trauma that I know that was caused, and it was caused by Fred. <laughs> there was nothing on the head that I know of, anyhow. I asked about Rose's schooling and if she had graduated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't... Uh, yeah, she graduated. She, I, I think she had a little trouble with math, but otherwise she, uh, she did a pretty good job. School, yeah, well, you'd have to... If you really wanted to get down to nitty-gritty, you'd have to... Uh, find the port report cards and but you know go go that way but so did rose peterson have an intellectual disability through my investigation i've gotten conflicting stories her brother fred tends to believe rose didn't have much of a disability maybe overcome by shyness deb lytala rose's niece says rose had trouble writing letters to her husband at the time so she helped her. Did Rose have an actual disability? The truth is, in 1989, intellectual disabilities, mental health disabilities, and other mental health diagnoses was lacking, to say the least. Even today, the stigma with mental health and intellectual disabilities exist. Was Rose diagnosed with a mental health and intellectual disability properly? My opinion would be no. I believe she fell through the uneducated and incompetent cracks of the era. Unfortunately, Rose didn't have the care and resources she needed, and ultimately, it contributed to her going missing. I asked Fred what he remembers about Rose Peterson's disappearance and the events surrounding it. Well, I was notified uh, was it a day after. See, I'm uh, I'm a I'm a little bit different. We're 45 miles from Hancock, a little little town, little town Aura, 
and uh, I work for uh, Cleveland Cliffs. And when I leave the house, uh, like say uh, day shift, I leave around four o'clock, and I don't get home until um, you did. around five thirty. You know, so it was a long day, and I raising two uh, two youngsters. And no, my sister Jane is the one that notified me. Uh, I think the day after that uh, she was missing. <laughs> well, they had a wedding. Uh, on, I don't know if it was the same day. I think it was that. Uh, I, well, I think she went missing on a Saturday. I believe, and there was a wedding there that the people that we knew uh, real close got married, and uh, I was called, uh, Janie called me, I think it was the next day, uh, would have been on a Sunday, and uh, said that Rosie disappeared. I said, what do you mean Rosie disappeared? Well, they can't find her, and uh, nobody knows where she is. I mentioned serial killer David Goodrow to Fred. How many speculate he could be involved in her disappearance? If you listen to season one of Leap in the Dark, you're familiar with the name David Goodrow. I spoke about him in a couple episodes. He was a serial killer in the area, um, in Hancock, Calumet, Houghton area, uh, around the time that Rose went missing. In 1991, he murdered 20-year-old Catherine Ann Curvis uh, in Hancock, Michigan. And in 1992, he murdered college student Jody Watts while she was jogging in Houghton. And she was a college student at Michigan Tech University. Fine. And, you know, if he did it, well, it's, 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 it's done. I mean, he's serving time for murder. He's not getting out in now. You know, and this is what they thought. If by some chance he didn't do something like that, why not confess? Because you you can't get any more time, you know. <laughs> but uh, it just, right, it's just to give the family closure. That's all it is, you know. And it would be, it would be nice to actually say these are her bones and we can, we can actually put her to rest, you know. She was the times that is really funny because when it when it was really difficult times, it seemed like she would be the weakest, but she wasn't. She was the strongest. You know, my mother was in a bad accident. Uh, oh, when was that? In '76, uh, something like that. And uh, we thought for sure that would really bother Rose, but she was the strongest of all of us. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was really funny, you know, because times you figured, well, Rose is really going to have a hard time with this because she was always home with her mother eh? and, until she got married. And uh, we figured, oh, she's going to have a hard time. But she she was the strongest one right through the whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah, she she was. <laughs> it was really funny. She didn't take any. My, You know, people go blame people. Well, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Or Rosie didn't. She says, "The heck with that. It's nobody's fault, you know. This this just happened, and then that's the way it is." I like to think Rose was strong. That overcoming unwanted obstacles in life built a resilience in her that not only her brother saw, 
but hopefully others will see too, that mental health can change you as a person. It can bring out the weakness and strength in a person. And for Rose, it seems like the latter was her calling. Strength, childhood, adulthood, motherhood, divorce. We live through different stages of life that develop who we are. But sometimes we get lost and stuck. Well, pardon me. Uh, well, like they said, they've they've seen her that uh, within a day or two uh, on the Hancock Bridge, and but uh, <laughs> I don't think that was Rose rocking across the Hancock Bridge. And they, they said they've seen her in a, up by the golf course in lawns, and I don't think that was Rose because she never hitchhiked. How would she? How would she get that far in the first place? You know. Yeah, well, we've got every every one of us, including yourself, have have doubles up there. Some of you even have triples. That people that look alike, you know. This was oh, a few years ago. Uh, maybe it's the same uh, trooper we're talking about. Uh, one in DNA from us, so he got it from my sister Ethel. DNA, just just in case they found some bones somewhere that they didn't, you know. But uh, yeah, otherwise it's uh, you know, uh, while you think it is all the time, you you run, runs through your mind. You know, is she in a hole somewhere? Did somebody kidnap her? Maybe is she actually alive somewhere? You know, this is all you don't know. You know, it, so many things go through a person's mind. And you want her to be alive. That would be nice. And uh, like one of my sisters now, she deceased, uh, Jen, uh, she was second oldest. She said, what would I do if she was walking down the driveway? Well, you'd go and give her a hug, I suppose. <laughs> what else would you do? <laughs> I asked Fred about Rose's issues with alcohol. Again, there's conflicting stories from various people. Her son never saw her drink, nor did her niece, Deb. But police reports and mental health evaluations claim that Rose had issues with the bottle. Well, I, I heard rumors about it, and uh, we did uh, help her out one time when she was uh, she was sick and ended up in a hospital. Uh, we had to clean up in uh, her apartment, or we helped clean her apartment, and we did find a bottle in there, but... Uh, I never knew her as a heavy drinker, you know. But like I said, we're so we were so far apart. Uh, we did get up there to visit, but uh, not that often. And uh, she could have did uh, things that you know. I've heard that before. That your your sister was a drunk. I said, Joe, well, she was a who? <laughs> no. Great. I'm going to change the subject just a hair on myself. Uh, young, or there's a gentleman I used to work with on at Celotics is in a nursing home right now. We we had to put uh, my wife's uh, mother in a nursing home there last month. And he's in there and uh, he's talked before. I work with him down at Celotics and in, in, in the honor guard, we got an honor guard uh, for uh, we have uh, veterans that pass away so we uh, we do a we do a service for him. For, well, it's for the family. It's not for them, but it's for the family. And, you know, and he says, well, you used to drink. Well, when I worked at Celotex, I used to uh, 
work with two gentlemen, one from Lake Linn and one from Hubble. And uh, Saturday night they'd want to stop in Lawrence and have a beer. Well, I, I never drank. Uh, I was 21 in the service, and I never drank. Guys tried to force feed me beer, and I, I wouldn't drink anything. You know, I, I, I didn't have my first beer, actual beer, until I was 30 years old. So, <laughs> yeah. But see, what I'm trying to see is, you know, one person seen you at the bar. Well, I had he didn't see my Seven Up can. See, <laughs> so you're you're a drinker, you know. And this this could have happened. This could have happened to Rose. But uh, one of the hardest things in this investigation is having no answers for certain things. We don't know if Rose had an issue with alcohol. I mean, I can assume by reading police reports and mental health evaluations that she struggled, but, you know, there's there's really no proof. I mean, it could have been mental health issues as well. Well, is there any more questions, my dear? Well, maybe, maybe we'll get a chance to meet each other one of these days. Throughout my investigation, many of you have probably wondered when or if I was going to reach out to David Goodrow. Some of you have actually messaged me asking if I planned on it or to see where I was regarding questioning him. Back in October of 2017, I learned that Detective Ryala, the detective working on Rose's case, was planning on interviewing David Goodrow about Rose Peterson's disappearance. The fact that he received the okay to do so and was taking the initiative brought promise to my investigation. After all, I couldn't find any confirmation that the police actually questioned David Goodrow back in the 90s about Rose's disappearance. And it turns out, he never was. As a reminder again, David Goodrow is a serial killer serving life in prison at the Saginaw Correctional Facility for murdering two young women 19-year-old Jody Watts and 20-year-old Catherine Ann Curvis, mother of two, both from the Upper Peninsula. I was asked by Detective Rayla not to reach out to David Goodrow until after he had, worried it could have a negative effect on the investigation. So I waited, and waited, and waited, and I couldn't say anything about the detective's plan in the podcast. I basically had to leave you, my listeners, in the dark, so to speak. This being a 29-year-old cold case, I can honestly say there isn't much to go on. So many unanswered questions come to mind. And since it's been 29 years since the disappearance of Rose Peterson, a lot of people I would want to contact have passed away, unfortunately. It's in this instance, I would love to have a time machine to go back to 1989 and ask everyone every single question I have, but of course I can't. Instead, I have to dissect the case file, talk to as many people who will speak to me, and wait. I have to wait while the professionals do their job and hopefully share their answers with me, a stranger, no one qualified or of importance to this case. Just a stranger doing research for a novel and trying to help the family out.
Since I have family in the UP and had a cousin getting married in June, I reached out to Detective Ryala to see if he would meet with me regarding the investigation. He agreed. He also told me he was on his way home from downstate. He'd finally interviewed David Goodrow, and he was willing to speak with me about it. So I headed on the seven-and-a-half-hour drive to the UP, met up with Deb Lydala, Rose's niece, and headed to the Calumet Post to discuss what the detective found out. I tried to prepare Deb before we reached the post. Prepare her that I was expecting that Goodrow would not confess. But it didn't sting any less when the detective confirmed it. He went to Saginaw Correctional Facility in Freeland, Michigan, and surprised Goodrow with an interview. He told me about his interview, how David Goodrow didn't seem shocked to be sitting across from an investigator. He'd been there before. When a different investigator interviewed him about another cold case they were working on. But Goodrow didn't have answers about Rose. He looked at her picture and nothing resonated with him. He didn't know her. He had nothing to do with her disappearance. If he did, he would give the family closure. After all, he was serving life in prison. He was now an elder in his prison church. His sole purpose in prison now is to prepare for the afterlife, eternal life, and the forgiveness of his sins from God. And to say that I believe this sounds... Frankly, it sounds effed up, I know. After all, who believes a serial killer rapist? But I do. I trust in the experience of the detective, and he believes Goodrow. He explained that Goodrow didn't fight the murder charges. He confessed and didn't try getting out of his life sentences because he knew what he, he did was wrong, and this was his punishment. It doesn't give Catherine and Kirpus and Jody Watts their lives back, and it definitely doesn't make what Goodrow did to them any less horrific than it was. But it does help to eliminate him from Rose's case. He was living in the area during her disappearance. It made sense to suspect him, to point a finger at him. But making sense doesn't mean truth. And in an investigation, you need truth and facts. With Rose's case, I don't have much of either. What happened to Rose Peterson, then, you ask? I asked the same thing to Detective Ryala. And unfortunately, we may never have those answers. Was she picked up by someone and killed? Did she wander out into the woods and get eaten by an animal? Did she wander in a pond and end her life by drowning? Did she disappear and is still out there? I doubt it. But the question remains, what happened to Rose Peterson? I was hopeful when I started out this investigation that I would find the needed answers, but that didn't happen. So, concerning Rose Peterson, I wish I had the answers for you. For everyone who followed along in my investigation, messaged me, and cared. Unless I get further information, my focus on Rose's case will change. 
instead of investigating her case, I'll try to focus on other missing person cases. And I plan to at least upload an episode every month, if not every week. In the meantime, please contact me via email with any questions at leapinthedarkpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you leave a positive review on iTunes, it helps me out a lot. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Rose Peterson, please contact the Michigan State Police at 906-337-5145. And again, thanks for listening. Most importantly, I wanted to give a thank you to Fred Roberts, Rose's brother, and Deb Lila, Rose's niece, Ron Peterson, Rose's son, Cindy Roy, Debbie Lindgren, and everybody else who helped with this podcast and and just reached out to me and accepted my phone calls to try to get some answers regarding Rose Peterson's case. I do hope someday we'll find the answers for you, and I just wanted to um, just say how much I appreciated all of you, and um, a special thank you to the Hancock Police and Calumet Post, um, especially Detective Ariella, for being open and honest and willing to share information with us and help us with this investigation, and hopefully one day we'll have um, answers and be able to have um, to be able to put this case and Rose's life to rest in a peaceful manner for her family. Thanks again.